Danny, you ready to uh, go to outer space? Oh my God, no. (laughs) Are you? You know, like, is this me being risk averse? (laughs) I don't know. It's it sounds cool. It sounds cool. I'm 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 into it. I mean, I will say I'm a little bit more open to it given the disaster that occurred in New York and the northern part of the country after the Canadian wildfires mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. brought down to us by the prevailing winds. I mean, I definitely felt like I needed to escape. Yeah. And sa- space is probably the only safe place. <laughs> so there, I mean, there you have it. We've got to get to outer space. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Not Another Business Podcast, where we break down business news and cultural events according to rules we've entirely made up. I'm KJ Miller, ex-corporate consultant and current CEO and co-founder of Minted Cosmetics. And I'm Daniela Dektar-McCarthy, ex-corporate lawyer and current general counsel at Ness. And fun fact, KJ and I have been friends since our Harvard acapella days, because we are that cool, folks. Disclaimer before we start the show, the views we expressed today are our own and not those of our companies. Today, we are talking about Virgin Galactic, Richard Branson's space tourism company, because they are finally launching their commercial space flights at the end of this month. Uh-huh. This news was literally just announced. Virgin's stock price soared 53% on the news, and I immediately started going down the rabbit hole of this company, how long they've been, you know, trying to make commercial flights to space happen, just like the whole thing. And it's it's honestly really fascinating. And I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I might want to hop on one of these flights. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you're, you're hesitant, I know, but are you not curious? Oh, um, I am curious. Mm-hmm. To learn more. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Okay. Curious to learn more. I mean, there's a lot to learn here. It's exciting stuff. And I didn't even know. Like, I feel like now that I've started going down the rabbit hole, clearly they've been working on this for a long time. It's not like this just happened. But I, I was not paying attention. So to me, it's like, you know, just out of the blue, someone's like, all right, it's time. We're going to outer space. That's what it feels like. Right. And this is very different from like SpaceX, right? Now, what, no. is, what is SpaceX? <laughs> like, no, like Musk's company, like SpaceX, which is oh, like right, 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 privately right. funded, also space exploration. But he's sending up people who are trained to be astronauts. They're just doing it like from a private or rather a private, privatized like space exploration as opposed to what Richard Branson's doing, which is like, go ahead, Danny, go ahead, KJ, yeah. <laughs> take a ride to space. Yeah, mortgage your houses and go to space. Yes, I yes, I do think now that you're saying it, I never think about SpaceX, but yes, I do think his is more like sending actual astronauts to space, but privately, as opposed to via government-funded programs, even though I'm pretty sure he's received a good amount of government funding. Anyway, the point is, yes, this is different. This is about sending private, regular Joe Schmoes out into outer space, and it is happening starting, um, according to their announcement, uh, June 27th. So it's happening, folks. Get excited. 
And uh, we're going to talk all about it right after our shameless plug. All right, KJ and I have neither the time nor the desire to chase down advertisers, so we like to use this segment to plug our own projects. KJ, what are you plugging today? I am plugging Minted Cosmetics. Minted is short for pigmented. We provide everyday beauty for every hue, and I am so excited because we are launching our friends and family sale. It's 25% off site-wide, and every single one of you listeners is a friend to me, so you should head on over to pick up your perfect nude lipstick, your perfect gloss, your perfect brow pencil, your perfect concealer. We've got it all made with your melanin melanin in mind, so head over to mintedcosmetics.com. What about you, Danny? What are you plugging? I am plugging the Nest card the first health and wellness premium credit card. We reward you for healthy spend you're doing with 5x points at Healthy Merchants and 2x points everywhere else. And I will just say this week, my very own husband, who I forced to get the card, despite not considering himself to be a health nut, proclaimed to me after he redeemed points for one, a pair of OnCloud sneakers, totally free, and two, a pair of Gooder sunglasses, said, huh, this is pretty fun. I feel like I'm redeeming all the time. (laughs) And I said, yeah, Tom, that's the point. (laughs) So don't take it from me. Take it from Tom. Mm -hmm. The card is pretty fun. Head over to nestwell.com. That's N-E-S-S-W-E-L-L.com to see if you pre-qualify. With that, let's get back to the show. It's time for Flashback Friday. As a reminder, this is our segment where we take a look back at an old episode and give you a quick update. KJ, what are we flashing back to today? So today we are flashing back to our story on Ozempic because a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. Now, first of all, as we spoke about on the episode, Ozempic and other semaglutides are very expensive and a lot of insurers won't cover them. Well, this has apparently led to people seeking out so-called compounded versions, which are mixed and tailored by a pharmacist, but not manufactured by a name brand company. Now, the FDA is warning that these compounded versions are causing adverse and dangerous side effects, but people are doing it anyway. And I'll just be honest, I didn't know pharmacists could do this, okay? I (laughs) I didn't know pharmacists could be out here just in the back mixing up drugs, but apparently they can and they are doing it and people are taking these, I mean, it sounds like they're just street drugs. I just, <laughs> what are we talking about? So that that is wild to me. What, what do you make of that? Well, now that you're saying that, it does make me appreciate why, like, the pharmacist you just see in CVS, like, has to have a particular degree. Like, now I understand why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that I really didn't get it before, but I think I'm having this moment now. I'm like, oh, I'm... I'm glad you're certified in something. I think the other piece that, um, you know, I read in an article was that this compounding is even more prevalent now that there are these telehealth companies that are not as easily easily regulated. Right, right. Um, and it makes me very nervous. But honestly, what what it seems like is people find the drugs so effective until they hear from the FDA, not just warning this might have adverse effects, but warning, this might have an adverse effect of stage four cancer of some right. sort. They're right. going to keep doing it anyway because compounded or not, they're seeing amazing results. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, the warnings right now are vague. They're not actually stating what the adverse and dangerous side effects are. And so I think you're seeing people say like, well, I'll take my chances because like you said, it seems to be working and and I want to see the results. So scary to think about um, and scary to think about your neighborhood CVS guy just mixing drugs in the bag. I just right. really. I mean, obviously there's a huge <laughs> consumer protection issue here, right? It's one thing if you know you're getting a drug that has been mixed up or is not the thing you th- that you see in commercials because you know you can't afford the the real deal and so you're trying to get some kind of bootleg version of it if you know it it's still probably not okay but but that's very different from if you don't know it <laughs> yeah i hope that is not happening do you think that's happening people are just i don't know what if they don't well yeah i mean i guess you have to be a dumb dumb if you're paying much less than yeah what it otherwise would normally cost yeah but you know people out here not to be super paternalistic but people are out here not thinking always. yes yeah i mean i don't know it's it's a little scary um and i do want to know what these adverse effects are so i wonder if we're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks but the second thing i wanted to mention as it relates to ozempic is the washington post re- released an article earlier this week saying that insurers are clamping down on doctors who prescribe ozempic for weight loss. Now, as we spoke about on the episode, Ozempic is not officially cleared for weight loss by the FDA. However, doctors can prescribe it for weight loss. This is called an off-label use of the drug. And off-label uses of drugs are very common. It's not just with semaglutides, but for all sorts of medicines. So think like, you know, prescribing birth control to people to control their menstrual cycles or Botox for people who have really bad migraines. Like, this is common. And I have never heard of insurers trying to clamp down on any of those off-label uses or other off-label uses like generally insurers trust doctors to be responsible when prescribing medications but apparently they are sending letters to doctors threatening you know to to try and get their license revoked and to report them to the you know um, American Medical Association all of these things which again just feels so wild to me I I just like I don't know what could be causing them to do this other than being greedy and not wanting to pay for these drugs. Like, why else would you be doing this? I mean, insurance companies here are private, you know, so like they have obligations to their shareholders. If this really is not sustainable, then that's why they're doing it. But this is the problem, right? This is like the problem with private insurance. But also actually even taking a step back, like it it seems... We talk about this a lot at NAS, just like the misalignment between incentives of an individual and insurance companies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how much better we would be if your insurance was aligned with your long-term health goals. That's just right. not the case right now. Right. Given that everyone in the medical community seems to agree that obesity is a precondition to so many other health issues shouldn't it actually be aligned with an insurance company's like long-term balance sheet profitability goals to get people healthier earlier with this drug? So actually I take back what I said about, you know, understanding what they're doing if it's about the dollars and the cents, because theoretically, if it's about dollars and cents, this should help. This should help us become healthier. 
It's yeah. so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's clearly just such short-term thinking. They don't want to spend the money today, even if they recognize that someone losing weight could potentially make them healthier in the long run and reduce health costs in right. the long run. Um, I mean, this is something that you helped me understand as you were thinking about um, joining the Nest team. These insurance companies, you know, they're only insuring you a lot of times for two, mm-hmm. four, five years, right? Because people switch jobs and your insurance yes. is tied to your job. So now they don't feel like there's any reason for them to care about the fact that you're going to be healthier 30 years down the road because they're not going to be insuring you 30 years down well, the road. Well, n- not only are they not going to be insuring you, Derek talks about this a lot, their competitor is going to be insuring you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. making you healthier and more cost effective for their competitor is almost like a negative right 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 that's so perverse isn't that so that's so perverse to think about oh terrible but anyway that's the update on ozempic that's the flashback friday um i'm curious to see how this continues to unfold okay kj hit us the facts when are you and i or maybe just you <laughs> taking a trip to outer space. Um, so, yes, um, it, it sounds like based on the announcement from Virgin Galactic today, it sounds like we will be able to go as early as next month. But let's back up and talk a little bit about how we got here. And I would just like to say that I'm getting a lot of my facts from a website called space.com, which I did not know existed. So that was exciting for me. It sounds very credible. <laughs> Just space.com. I, I encourage you to check it out. Lots lots to see and learn there. Now, on to the facts. Virgin Galactic is a private space tourism company founded by billionaire businessman Richard Branson in 2004. So he's literally been working on this idea for 19 years. That blew my mind. Like I thought I I had heard that he had started this, you know, space flight company. In my mind, this thing was like four or five, six years old, maybe. No, he started this 19 years ago and has been trying to put people in space since then. So that same year in 2004, Virgin began advertising flights to outer space for $250,000 per ticket. And by the way, they started selling those tickets. Have they sent anyone who bought a ticket out to space? No, they have not. But people started purchasing. Now, the plan was to fly people out on the Spaceship One, which was a spaceship manufactured by a company called Scaled Composites, which Branson had invested in. Well, as I said, 19 years have come and gone, um, and they have not sent any commercial passengers up yet. However, today, they announced they are finally ready. And, by the way, the price is now not $250,000, but $450,000 per ticket. Well, good on the people who bought it 19 years ago, I guess. Right. You really got in while the getting was good. So, yeah, it's because the price has doubled. So what took them so long other than it being a trip to space? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Danny, you know how people use the phrase, it's not rocket science? Mm. This literally is rocket science. And so it, it has proven to be extremely difficult. 
Um, and, you know, I will say, you know, even NASA, like they measure projects in years, right? They're not, not in months, right? In years. Mm-hmm. So it is really difficult, this thing that they're trying to do. Also, the company suffered some pretty major setbacks in those 19 years. So in 2007, three employees were killed while testing a rocket engine. And then in 2014, a pilot was killed after a spaceship broke apart in midair. So, you know, they've had some pretty major setbacks along the way. Okay, so, so far I'm hearing death is a possibility. (laughs) Right. That is in the cons column. Yeah, in the cons column, death. Um, But I'll also note that Branson, he's not the only billionaire out here in the space wars. You mentioned SpaceX at the top. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, also has a company called Blue Origin that also offers commercial flights to outer space. And interestingly, I I remember kind of reading about this when it happened, but I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about it. These two companies, Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin, were basically in a head-to-head race for a number of years trying to see who would make it to outer space first. And Mm. in 2018, Virgin Virgin Galactic actually won by nine days. So they made it up. And then nine days later, Bezos made it up. However, even though Branson's company made it to space first, it was actually Bezos who began commercial flights First. So they were in this race and Branson won, but then, yeah, Bezos came and started making commercial flights before he did. And is Blue Origin still sending people up to space? So interestingly, um, Blue Origin has put their flights on pause um, because they had an issue back in September 2021. Um, when a rocket that was not carrying human passengers malfunctioned, triggering an escape system that caused... (laughs) (laughs) So not funny. (laughs) It triggered an escape system that (laughs) caused... Okay, it triggered an escape system that caused it to jettison its passenger capsule. <laughs> so, so literally, just in space, in midair, something went wrong, and the passenger capsule was just shot out. It's horrible. So, yes, also in the con column, being shot into space and left to die. Two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Two two years ago. So, um, right now, Bezos is on pause. They're they're looking into that. Um, However, um, in the meantime, Branson's company has been cleared for additional tests um, oh, wait, I forgot to mention. Bezos made it to commercial flights before Branson did um, because after Branson's maiden voyage, regulators actually halted further flights because they had to look into an anomaly that was logged during the flight. And this was actually a little bit of a scandal because, you know, the um, Virgin Galactic team after that maiden voyage was reporting the flight was successful. It was a big success, blah, 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 blah. Come to find out, I guess, you know, the log, the, the spaceship log. Um, There's like some kind of audit trail yeah, of. And there was some error that happened in air that they couldn't explain. And so regulators were like, nope, 
we got to look into it. And apparently it took them a, a great long time to look into it and to fix it. However, at some point after 2018, um, they were cleared for additional tests. And today, one of their space planes successfully reached the edge of outer space, carrying a crew of six, making its first spaceflight test in nearly two years and prompting this announcement that we got today that commercial flights will begin at the end of this month. Okay. So <laughs> they've had a bumpy road, yes. but they are finally ready to go to space. Uh-huh. Okay, now where in space <laughs> are they actually going? So I'm actually going to turn back to our friends over at space.com to answer this question because they have some real space tea that other folks are not talking about. Now, apparently it is very contentious among the space community to even say that Virgin Galactic is going to outer space. And that is because there is a debate over what truly constitutes outer space. Now, mm. NASA and the U.S. recognize the line between outer space and planet Earth to be at an altitude of 50 miles. But the rest of the world recognizes the Kármán line, as it's known, as the border with space. And that sits at 62 miles high. And just in case anyone's wondering, or for any of the science nerds out there, the reason there's a debate over this is because, as it turns out, the Earth's atmosphere doesn't end abruptly. Instead, it gets thinner and thinner and thinner at higher altitudes, meaning there's no real definitive boundary. And that leaves, you know, countries to sort of decide for themselves. But even if we use the U.S. standard of 50 miles, Branson's flight today only made it to 54 miles. So... Mm-hmm. He, we really are talking about the edge of outer space, like just barely in outer space. Okay, so it's just going to the edge of the atmosphere, uh-huh. and it just hangs out there? It hangs out there for a few minutes and then comes right back down. However, given that it is only a few minutes, the people who have experienced the trip say that it really is magical. So this is a quote from one of the employees who was on the ship today. Her name is Jamila Gilbert. She had this to say, I hope that so many more people get to experience this because it is indescribable. And I can close my eyes and I can see it. The sensation, the anticipation, it's going to be something I'm going to be piecing apart and trying to understand probably for the rest of my life. And I'll wow. just I'll just note um, you do experience weightlessness on this flight for the few minutes you are sort of in outer space, you get to experience weightlessness. Um, are there windows? Yes, there are windows. So along with experiencing weightlessness, you get to peer out and see Earth, um, okay. which is another so that's thing. Why, that's why she's saying it's amazing. You know, I can see yeah. it. Okay, yeah. so there are windows. Yeah, there are windows. So yeah, it you know. It's 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 happening. This is happening. People are going to space. Wow. Well, okay. Should we get into speculation? What do we what do we make of all this? Yeah, we we should. And what do I make of all this? I mean, the thing is, at four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, obviously, right now, the pool of people who are going to do this is just like so so incredibly small. We're talking about billionaires. Not even millionaires, I think, would want to like drop half a mil on on a on a three minute flight. So. I think we're talking about right now such a small group of people. I do 
think the cost will come down, but it's like, I mean, even if it came down 90%, it would still be $45,000, which is still just ludicrous. So I don't, I just yeah. don't know when is this actually going to be accessible to people? I think the I'm maybe the cost will come down. Sure. But if it literally takes them years to check on like one, one little anomaly in an audit log or one little thing, right? Like if it takes them years to tinker, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't imagine when the cost will actually, cause you know, there are going to be issues. Like yeah. we're not, we're not sending people up at the end of this month and it's smooth sailing from here on out for the next century. Like, right. Right. no. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, they are saying, I remember seeing like the goal I think is for them to do 400 flights a year. So like no. m- more, more than, more one, than a day. one a day. <laughs> yeah. So Just I don't space. know if, <laughs> I don't know if that like when they think that they'll get there. I don't think they're saying they're going to get there by like 2024, but that's where they're headed or where they want to be. But I agree with you. Like I have a hard time seeing how we get to that scale when this is such a lengthy process, when, you know, whenever there is an anomaly and we've had anomalies as, you know, as recently as 2021 with a passenger being ejected. Now uh, that was Bezos's company, but still, you know, like I, yeah, I'm, I'm just skeptical on when this is actually going to be truly accessible to anyone other than a billionaire. How many people can fit on this flight? I think it is six. Like I think they sent six and I six think it's people. six. Yeah. So every year they're trying to send 2,400 people up into space? I guess so. Are there 2,400 billionaires? How many billionaires are there? I don't know. How many millionaires are there? I don't know. I mean, I guess that could bring the cost down if they really are going to send 2,400 people up every time. Oh, that's so funny. I just looked it up. They're 2,640 billionaires. So they're going to run through all of them in year, year <laughs> two. <laughs> Can I just say, I cannot imagine the terms and conditions that are accompanying the purchase of this ticket. Like, oh. is this is this a click through, a click to accept <laughs> contract? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you must be, you are, you have to literally sign away your life because. Right. I mean, you might die and you just have to be okay with that, that you literally might die, um, which which is wild to me. And that is another reason why I question whether this could ever really be ex- accessible. Like, I feel like when you think about NASA and the, and the astronauts that have lost their lives in, in various missions, every single one of them signed up for that, knowing that risk in the name of like scientific exploration and and, you know, prepped for it trained for it for years like this was a life's calling in several ways if you die doing your life's work that's one thing but if you die because you just wanted to spend a few minutes in outer space like who's making that decision I don't know like I I think it sounds cool I'd sure I'd love to see outer space but like I don't know how to do that calculus I have a child okay so I, I like I don't know when it really becomes like I think they, I think they would have to literally do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flights before you'd get most people willing to sign on for something like this. Right. Like I want to go to outer space if I have to escape Earth. <laughs> like I want to go there if I need to go there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not 
I'm not such an adrenaline junkie that I need to have that super unique experience that might lead to death. Yeah. Well, and and on that note, I personally just don't know that I want to go to space with Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos at the helm. <laughs> like, well, I just honestly feel like, I don't know. This is an area where I feel like I'd rather go with, you know, Joe Biden, you know, and, and the folks he's got over at NASA. Like, I just wow. feel like I, I trust the government when it comes to sending me to space. Um, I trust NASA's, you know, several decades more than, you know, Bezos and Branson's like bro off trying to get to space first. Like, I, like, I just don't know that I don't want my life in their hands. I'm not that interested. Yeah. I mean, this is like a fundamental question about trusted institutions government institutions versus private institutions and you clearly trust government institutions more that makes sense ah i don't know i mean yes generally if we think about private particularly tech founders you know which is which is where (laughs) right but when we're in the musk and bezos category like the mantra of move fast break things Exactly. It's not. <laughs> that's not. That's <laughs> not what we want. That's not what we want. And right. yeah, I. But I, I don't was, doubt that they have brilliant people working with them. That's true. I don't doubt that either. I don't doubt that either. But I just don't know. There's something about it that feels a little bit ick to me. Like I would rather wait until Joey B signs off on <laughs> these commercial flights. Um I just don't know. There's something about it that's like, yeah, these billionaires flying me to space just feels a little ick. I don't know. Do you you not have any sort of ick? No, no, no. I I am. Okay, this is how I would distill it. There's a concept that you learn in um, law school when it comes to government authority and powers. And it's a concept called parents patriae, which is to say that governments have the responsibility to protect citizens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is where your concern or your ick is coming from because companies don't have that right. <laughs> authority, responsibility, whatever, right. right? People who govern, we hope, feel it when they go into public service, right? Yes. Um, and every action that they take hopefully is motivated by that in part. So, right, without that mandate... Do you right? Do I trust a private company sending me to space? Yeah, no, I, I think you're on to something. Yeah, I think you're on to something. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, they're at the end of the day, government is public service, right? right? Like you sign up to be a public servant. So I just feel like I trust Biden and them to serve the public more than Bezos and them. So I do think you have this question though. A related question, but framed a little bit differently, which is not private companies or private billionaires founding space companies versus the government, but billionaires putting their money to, towards founding space companies versus some other purpose. You know, like if, if the overall question is, do we feel comfortable with billionaires founding space companies? Mm-hmm. Is your answer No. I mean, no, I don't think so. Like, I do think 
if you're going to be a billionaire, and I'm fairly anti-billionaire, right, but, right. But, but if you're going to be a billionaire, funneling that money into space exploration, like, okay, there are worse things you could do, right? So I'm not anti you spending that money on getting to space. I just don't think I trust you enough to send me to space. Um, but you know, billionaires aren't my people. So maybe if I were also a billionaire, I'd be like, of course I trust you. Like we're, you know, me and you, we're the same, but I, I, I they're not my people and I don't trust them with my life, I think is, is just where I am. But yeah, there are worse, worse ways to spend billions of dollars. Okay. Two th- thoughts. One. Okay, good. I think I agree w- with that. Right. If we mm-hmm. put aside the, and I think the Patagonia founder says says this a lot in all of his um, press that he thinks every billionaire, despite he himself essentially being one, although he's given his money away, that every billionaire is a policy failure, right? It's just mm-hmm. evidence of a policy failure. So if we put mm-hmm. that away and we know we are in a world with billionaires, is there a problem? And I think ultimately I'd, I'd, I would rather them put their money towards what is ostensibly pushing science forward. Right. Um, but the second piece is... Government has to be regulating this to some extent, though, right? So, like, oh, for sure, right? Like, they do have oversight, but so you're still, you're still just, you still have ick. Yeah, I still have ick, but yes, they do have oversight, hundred percent. The the FAA um, is the reason these guys have been, you know, shut down for periods of time because the FAA is like, nah, this isn't looking good. We got to figure out these anomalies. Um, so there is regulation. Um, and I'm sure. I could get over this, right? Like I'm in Dallas right now. Right now, I flew a private commercial airline to get here, and I had to trust American Airlines with my life in the process. So, could I get over You're it? You're already doing it. You're already yeah. doing it. Well, I'm, 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 I'm doing it now, and I think, I think, the reason I feel comfortable doing it now is because airlines are so heavily regulated and it looks like you know commercial flights to space are also going to be heavily regulated so yeah there's probably a world where I get over it but just like at a gut level I I still have an ick still have an ick I get it I get it so I mean what's our what's our final verdict here Danny we've we've talked all about space the ins and the outs what's your what's your final verdict uh, I'm not going, um, <laughs> not because I can't afford it, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not going, um, but I am really interested to see if 2,400, is that what we said? 2,400 mm-hmm. people go by the end of the year. Would love, I, you know, I want that to happen. I want all 2,400 billionaires in the world to go and come back safely and tell us all about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think my final verdict is more space exploration is probably a good thing. I don't want to put my life in Branson's hands or Bezos's hands, but I am looking forward to hearing how this goes and hearing other reports, tales from uh, tales from the galaxy. So we'll we'll read it on space dot com. Okay, it's time for Judge and Jury, and if you're new here, this is a segment where we dive into recent news and ask whether it involves a display of good or bad judgment. This week, we are diving into the world of literature. Elizabeth Gilbert, best known for her book Eat, Pray, Love, has announced that she will be pulling her book, her upcoming novel, The Snow Forest, from its publication schedule. 
The Snow Forest is a novel that is set in mid-20th century Siberia and is in meant to follow a group of people who removed themselves from society to resist the Soviet government and industrialization. So it's essentially a novel about a group of Soviet dissidents. Mm -hmm. It was originally slated to come out in February 2024, which would be the two-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And so Elizabeth Gilbert released a video to social media saying that she has heard the, quote, overwhelming amount of criticism from Ukrainian users and heard their pain and has decided that it is not the time for any book set in Russia to come out. And she has not said that she will be releasing it later. Instead, she said she will turn to focus on other projects. So the fate of the snow forest is unknown. We just know that it will not be coming out anytime soon. Definitely not in February. So, KJ, what do you think? Because the Internet is torn. Yeah, Ooh, I'm I am torn too. I will say when I first saw this news, I thought she was just pushing the release date. And that to me seemed like unequivocally good judgment. Do not release a book set in Russia on the two year anniversary of Russians, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Right. That feels like it just kind of makes sense. But now that I understand a, a bit more um, specifically that she's halting production and we don't know if or when the book is going to come out. She also, I saw mentioned, she's refunding any pre-orders of the book and knowing that the the subject matter of the book is actually, you know, a family who is leaving um, Russia, right, and, 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 and fighting against the Soviet Union. It really complicates things. I... I think if it is what feels right to Elizabeth Gilbert as an author, as the creator of the work, then it feels hard for me to say this is bad judgment. You know, this is her work. And if if a release date is announced, that's because the book is finished. So she's written mm-hmm. a, a an entire book. And so, you know, and I know authors, it, it takes a lot out of them. So if she feels that this is the right move after doing all of the work she's done to, to finish this book, probably all the research she did, you know, it's being set um, in, in the 20s, you said in the 1920s or in the 20th century? Mid, mid-20th century. Mid-20th century. All the research she's done, all the work she's done. If she feels like it's the right call, then I think I am inclined to say good judgment. But I don't, I don't think it's clean, you know, like I, I could yeah. certainly argue the other direction. What do you think? I am also torn. It is her call. It's, you know, she's not harming anyone, I think, by pulling it other than herself and her publisher. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that sense, because she's not creating any harm to anyone else, I don't think it is bad judgment right she can presumably afford to sustain the loss of economic profit she otherwise would have had if she published and sold the book Mm -hmm. right um i guess i just if she wanted it out there right if she presumably was proud of this book then i just feel a little bit bad because i'm not necessarily getting and this is someone who whose parents were born and raised in Ukraine. Like I'm not necessarily getting the immense offense to Ukrainian people 
to publish this book. Mm-hmm. I get the timing thing, as you said, but if it's a book about dissidents, <laughs> it's not like pro-Russia propaganda, mm-hmm. then I don't really understand why there's immense offense to it. Now, if this is a long play and she will eventually release it and this was just controversy to drum up press about it, now that's good judgment. Mm. Maybe <laughs> because I will say I looked up Elizabeth Gilbert's, uh, you know, public publication. What's that called? The only word yeah. I have in my head is discography, but that's she's not a musician. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So her like her, you know, her list, yeah. her list of, of books. And I didn't know that she published so many since Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah, and I, I have not heard about a one of them. I think I tried to read the book that came out right after Eat, Pray, Love. Maybe I made it through it, but I didn't love it. And then that's when the Elizabeth Gilbert train, you know, ended for me. But she right. does have a, you know, a big following. She's got she's got lots of fans. But yeah, I mean, if this is just drumming up publicity, you're right. I mean, that's that's just smart. Because now I'm curious. If it comes out, I'm reading it. Right. Yeah. Well, look at that. Good judgment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week. We hope you are loving the show. And if you are, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And be sure to follow us on social. I'm Danny underscore D underscore MC on TikTok. And KJ is I am underscore KJ Miller. KJ Miller.